This week on the show, we have power scaler, video editor, and writer, Crisis. And if you're enjoying the show and want to help support it, make sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Kojimafreak. Every time I open up the notes, I see that gif of Kojima from the, <laughs> <laughs> from the Majin Buu side. He's so precious in that video. I mean, the whole thing is very, like, very clearly, like, hey, we were at this, like, convention or this this industry show, and we fucked around with developers, but all of them had brought their own sort of spirit bomb flavor, and Kojima's was the most adorable, obviously, so. <laughs> that man lives out loud. I've always wondered, because I've been fans of Dragon Ball and... Metal Gear for pretty much around the same time, around the same amount of time. And I was always curious if there was any, like, I don't know, just curious if there was any crossover. Like, I wonder if he even knew what he was doing or if he just knew Mega64 told him to do it. And so he was just along for the ride. His form's a little off, I'll say that. But <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> stiffen the elbows straight up, yeah, head straight, down. Straighten his elbows, yep. Yeah. Now can we get him to do fusion with Suda 51? <laughs> I was just about to say, I'd love to see him do a fusion dance. Oh my gosh. Would it work or would it be the like uh, the skinny or the, the fat version? It's <laughs> <laughs> a botched fusion. Is he supposed to look like that? I uh, guess so. Do it with uh, Kamiya. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then they'd have to make a game. Fingers. Yo, it's Apache Smash. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. I, I do like how in the gif he's wearing like his own shirt with his birthday on it. <laughs> There's something endearing and charming about that. They made sure to get the Luden statue in there too. Yeah, and the Luden <laughs> statue. And now there's like a Luden statue on their vending machines in the office. And yeah, he's really been hitting off the branding. <laughs> the man's days. got good branding, yeah. Why is it that Kojima can do the self-aggrandizing shtick and it comes off as as kind of like adorable and endearing, but anybody else does it and you're like, oh, knock it off. Stop being so <laughs> full of yourself. I got a couple finger shirts. It's fine. <laughs> You're wearing both of them right now. <laughs> got a layer. I got a Pink Floyd shirt on right now. Yeah, the I I know um, Kevin Feige, the like Marvel guy. Mm-hmm. He wears every time he does a, every time he does something for press. He's wearing a hat of the thing he's talking about, but he'll always wear like a suit and tie with his like a baseball cap of like Spider Man, and that's always been like. I don't know. I guess that's his thing. But it's good for YouTube thumbnails, I guess. Yeah. You know exactly. You don't even have to put it in the title. You know exactly what he's talking about yeah. at all times. It's like the new version of wearing like a t-shirt, a bla- like a blazer, jeans, you know, and seeming yeah. like a hip professional. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a hard line to walk, though, before it just seems kind of like, I don't know, silly. Like, do you want us to take you, take you seriously? Are you like the cool hip guy? Or... It's a fine line between, you know, being comfortable and just trying to set a vibe at work and just coming off like a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, fellow kid kind of thing. Oh, most definitely. Doing a welcome back Apache. We got uh, Apache back on the show here. Yeah, I'm still on the show. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not been here for the last two episodes. My bad, everyone. He was on roller coasters. Yeah, no, for real. 
I'm just obsessed with roller coasters now. That I don't know how that happened. Well, I kind of do. Limes made me go on them, even though I was scared. You were on um, Mr. Bones' wild ride this whole time. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you were scared of the roller coasters, and now you're afraid of your own obsession. When you really should have been scared about your own obsession. Now, now I'm afraid of not being on roller coasters. But yeah, <laughs> right. Like, I, I, since being back in England, I've been to the uh, uh, amusement park, and I'm going back to it one next Tuesday. So, like, I don't know what's going on. Me and my sister have got plans to go to another park, like, in a week, a few weeks or so. But yeah, like I missed the last two shows because I was in America and then I came home and I moved house. So I'm back now. Woo. And you were sick. I was. I was mega ill. Oh, I, I think I think I was a, I was like suffering from not having enough freedom. I had so much freedom <laughs> when I was in the US and then I came home. There was no freedom. Um, but yeah, I got really I got really ill when I came back. But I'm that makes I'm... one of us. <laughs> oh, no. Now you're back in prime form. I mean, like 10 minutes before the. Uh recording started you just like wrapped up a fucking world record for european extreme foxhound you're pretty good yes yeah, uh, like i was saying for a while that I, I had like nothing to do with mgs3 and then jack took my european extreme record out of nowhere i didn't even see him play and then all of a sudden he was like hey i've got record um and then like i got into an event and i'm going back to ukhg which is on the esa marathon channel uh in in september which is in glasgow i can't wait to go back um, so like I've got that to practice for. I had to get the record back, and I want to go back to doing blindfolded stuff. But like I just love the game again. I just want to play it all the time again. So I'm I'm feeling good. I'm in a really good mood. He's back. So you managed to beat him at a world record. But between the two of you, who would win in a fight? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh Jesus! We got crisis here today. Let me get your stats. What are what are your feats? What have you done? <laughs> well, speaking of uh, of roller coasters and MGS three. Uh, I was recently at Disney, and um, I don't know if you guys have been there recently, but they have the whole Avatar world. And the whole time I saw, I saw the forest, uh, this forest environment, and then they had the, one of the big mechs that, from my vague recollection of Avatar, the villain uh, gets in at the end. And I had to take a picture of like you know my finger on my ear, like I was by a Metal Gear, and I was in the uh, Salino Yarsk forest. I just realized um, that you mean Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar. Yes, I was, yes. I was like, I was like, what next? Is he He's talking like, about Legend of Korra? He was like, oh, last Airbender roller coaster. Holy fuck! I'll be right back, guys. I was like, that must have been season four or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's the comics, bro. I got to read everything. I got to get it all. Yeah. Yeah, but who would win in a fight? The uh, Avatar <laughs> from Avatar or Avatar: The Last Airbender? Is this is this the whole? Is this who would win? Just... I can't help it. Everyone gets to do it once, right? You got it. That's the plot. Yeah, we get one each time. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know. But yeah, Apache is like not the only person in the speedrunning community that's done some crazy stuff this week. Uh, D Limes, well, GDQ was this week, um, and I know there was both like good and bad news from the MGS front. However, one of the great things to hear is uh, D Limes. Shout out to D Limes. He uh he hit the rank one big boss one run run segment run. I hope Patchy make sure I'm saying this right. In one whole segment, no saves, no continues. And now I think we have like it looks like five MG games at GDQ that someone's done that for. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's happened in Solid One, Two, and Three, and Metal Gear One and Two. 
So Jag tried his best with MGS4, but he lost it in the first, I think, eight minutes of the run. <laughs> There's like a really tough part at the start where you can lose it. But yeah, getting into the exclusive rank one club is something that I really wanted to do. As we all know, that didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's, it's a big, big deal whenever anyone can get the highest rank in a single segment run of the game. Um, and the fact that it was on Game Over if discovered as well, which is not what people normally play MGS2 on. Um, that that was something else to behold. And I commentated it too, so that was fun. Uh, you were digitally commentating along with, I believe, I know there was Joe, Joseph's Joestar there, and then, I'm sorry, who was the other person? Metal Glenn Solid. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, time. it is. And then Joe, we'll, we'll call out Joe as well, stoic as fuck with his, uh, I know he was having some nerves with going to GDQ, I think for his first time. Yeah. Um, he was... I- stoic as fuck during his uh mg run yeah i think i think joe is like any anyone who knows him like he he's not gonna like dive into a huge social situation like gdq uh with ease but when he sat down to do his run you couldn't tell he was nervous at all he ran he ran metal gear the, the original metal gear and yeah he was he was absolutely awesome so proud of him i do the tactical reload in mgs3 and i feel like i uh I feel like I've accomplished something, so that's my <laughs> little addition yeah, to that. Oh yeah, every time I do the the gun spinning with the Colt, I feel like oh my god. Yeah, sign me up. Where's my GDQ uh, invite? <laughs> Apache had also humored us uh, clearing out some RE5 boards. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but I'd be down for that too. Not yeah, related to metal. Run. Let's learn that. Does anyone want to watch me and Chelsea do uh, co-op? Resident Evil 5 speedrun, so that sounds like fun. I would watch that. Yeah. But who would win? <laughs> me. I mean, I don't... Who's, who knows? It's me. I'm not even going to argue with that. Uh, somebody uh, didn't exactly win at uh, GDQ. I know there's that... Uh, what was it a recorded segment run or something, Apache? Yeah, so one of the, one of the runners was running Ryzen. And it was a remote run, so they're not, they're not, they do, they do a few remote runs for people, obviously, Fox it's still around, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to edit that out now, I said it, um, <laughs> you know, there's the thing still around, so they let a certain number of people do remote runs, it's very prestigious to do a remote run, because it's so heavily contested, right, you can imagine, like, not everyone can go to the event, but anyone can sit in the bedroom and play, play a game on stream, um, so the Rising Runner, they did their full run of the game, and then there's like an eight minute run of the Blade Ball DLC. And rather than do the run, they played a video of a perfect run that they had made, like a, a multi segment run. So they did, it wasn't even like a single segment run that they did previously. It was a, it was a spliced run. Oh. And, they, uh, and they played it. And then they made some sort of weird speech at the end. I don't, I don't really want to give get too much into the speech but they they were basically trying to make some kind of point about how it's not all about world records um yeah it kind of is though isn't it he had a solidest moment yeah his solidest moment <laughs> <laughs> um they, they were definitely trying to make a point about something but anyway you're, you're not allowed to do that obviously no one if you go to gdq people expect to see you play the game in that moment. And I think a lot of the, the joy of GDQ comes from seeing people do really well, but it also comes from seeing people deal with adversity. One of the first runs I ever saw was Jaguar King running MGS3, and he had plenty of mistakes in that run, and he was having a bad time, but it was it was still really cool to see a, a person playing the game that well. 
it wasn't some like single segment, uh, sorry, multi-segment spliced run that he'd put together ahead of time. Um, and anyone can watch like anyone can watch like these multi-segment runs whenever they want. They can watch them on YouTube if that's what you're looking for. You can do that. But people came to see you play, and people paid money because it was an incentive. I'm not sure how yeah. many thousands of dollars it was, but I'm sure it was a substantial amount of donations that went to see him do this. Um, and it's just more than anything, it's just so bizarre that someone would do this. It's so weird. Um, it wasn't like they were trying to cheat to get on the leaderboard and get first place or anything. They already had world record. Um, strange, strange turn of events. And I said today, like, I'm sick of. I hate when bad news comes out about Metal Gear. Like, do you remember when Boba Skip got found? How hype everyone was. How 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 much of a good time everyone was having. Yeah. And now this crap. Like, oh, I hate it. Man. I really do hate it. Dude, between this shit and the Final Fantasy XIV billboard, like my <laughs> fandoms are not feeling good right now. <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV having a normal one right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do appreciate the 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 the. Well, both communities have been kind of just like very. I don't want to say self reflective, but they've been very like holding down the fort, doing their due diligence. Like this isn't us, guys. Like, um, so yeah, yeah it's it is what it is, and it's. It's very strange, yeah. I, when when the news broke about it, I just spent like twelve hours just kind of pacing around my house, thinking about it, like, what the fuck is going on? Why why has this happened? It's it's so weird, and yeah, I just hate that. That's how this GDQ will be remembered for for Metal Gear, and not not Limes getting a a, a rank one run like with Game Over if discovered. Like it's unbelievable that someone could play that well under that much pressure. I agree. So somebody played. The game at their house presumably like messed up on parts and then just edited them out with like, like they spliced in portions and then what? Some they went to GDQ and paid to like see a TV of the video or something. Yeah, which which one of you made the comment that he Billy Mitchelled it? That was me. That was a great. <laughs> that was yeah. great. I'm gonna take credit. Oh, that's yeah. what really happened. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was Billy Mitchell. Like, like they did their normal run of Rising, so the full game run of Rising. Nothing oh. about that was. They were playing the game, mm. and then when it came to their incentive, which was an additional run of the Blade Wolf DLC, they already had a pre-recorded spliced okay. oh, run man. of like you know world record quality, and they mm. played it on the stream and pretended to play in commentary. Oh, okay. It's okay, like okay, playing okay. a pre-recorded mixtape, like when you're like, "I'm a DJ," and you just like press play on a pre-recorded thing. It sucks. Did he like hold his controller close to the mic? So he's like, look guys, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really playing. I mean, it's still on YouTube. You can watch it. Like it's, yeah. you know, some, some people have re-uploaded it. Like it's it, no, when you know, and you watch it, you're like, Oh, this is obvious. But I mean, uh, no, no one knew until he, he posted about it in the rising discord. And they were like, you better go tell GDQ right now or we will. So he, Damn. he did it to make a point then. So like he wasn't found out. He just came clean before it even, was discovered he just he just owned yes. it and was like i did it because x yeah what happened was because it was world record the rising community wanted to put it on the leaderboard and he didn't want it to go on the leaderboard and so they had a back and forth of we're putting it up there anyway kind of thing blah blah it's the world record it needs to go on the leaderboard and so he said oh it was spliced anyway kind of thing because if it had gone on the leaderboard and it was a cheated run now it's like a bigger thing because you've submitted a cheated run to speedrun.com because yeah. right right now he you know he can as far as I'm aware he can still submit runs to speedrun.com none of his records are in question although I'm sure they're being looked at more closely you know being re looked yeah, yeah. at but um just like Billy Mitchell 
I mean, if you if you cheat, if you, I mean, it's so ridiculous to say this because it, it sh- this should never happen. But if if you play a faked run at GDQ, you get banned from GDQ, but you don't necessarily get banned from speedrun.com. Right. Yeah. Those are different organizations. But it, if it had been submitted to the leaderboard, now you know now you've you've broken. Oh, jeez. Well, I'm sorry that sort of put a negative light on you guys. I mean, yeah, it's it's just so weird. It's surreal. I'm, I'm sure it'll be talked about forever. Well, he's an Exxon of history now, so I guess in that way he got what he wanted out of his uh, solidest motivation. I think <laughs> scholars will be working forever trying to work out what he actually wants. So I guess between yeah, yeah, yeah. between him and the GDC rulebook, uh, he lost in a fight? <laughs> oh my goodness. Was that too much of a stretch? <laughs> No, 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 I was good. I liked it. You've already used your one. Oh, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I'm going to keep taking them every chance I get until we get deep into this. Lord have mercy. <laughs> well, Crisis, I'm going to ask you, what sort of started you doing this? I mean, like, look, everybody in the world has had a who would win in the fight conversation. Yes, yes. Like, yes. There, there's not a single person who hasn't had some variant of that conversation. It's like part of human culture mm-hmm. at this point. So, yes. you, but you, but you kind of made that your thing, you know, and, and, and sort of took it and ran with it. So what, what sort of led you down that path? Uh, well, um, I certainly wasn't the first person to do it. Um, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to work with some of the people who inspired me and, and, uh, and, you know, uh, so I guess to, hmm, I don't know how much of a story I want to present, but. Um, funnily enough with, you know, Kojima and Dragon Ball now kind of, uh, at least for now being on the same, everybody's tongue, uh, grew up being a fan of Dragon Ball and as fingers knows, I know he knows, uh, Dragon Ball is a like very combat oriented. It's the most shown in are typically, you know, structured in a way where power combat, who's better than the other, a new, a more powerful villain has to keep showing up. Um, and it was around when the, uh, latest Dragon Ball series came out that, um, a few YouTubers started to uh, really hit it big with um, sort of analyzing the power of those characters and pitting them uh, against one another and doing a different type of analysis than you'd see before. Um, you know, people would bring up things like rate, like logical razors um, and, uh, and try to build an argument um, in a way that not many people had heard. And so being a fan of that. And then there were other things, other channels who sort of took that same approach were inspired by that and did it to, you know, say the Marvel movies or the DC movies. Um, Metal Gear had always been pretty much my, my favorite thing. Uh, and uh, in, in spite of being fans of those other things and things like Star Wars, um, Metal Gear was kind of always something that, you know, it's, it's very, it's a pretty popular series, but I had never known or talked to anybody which is why I'm so excited to do this show. I had never really talked to anyone um, who had even, like any of my friends, any of my YouTuber friends, they haven't played any of the games. Um, And uh, it's only with things like rising that they, you know, with the the whole sort of meme boom of that are discussing it, which hurts my heart. But um, in taking that same approach that I'd seen other people's do. So other people do, um, I made videos out of it and I've been making videos in a certain form or fashion for kind of as long as I can remember. Um, But uh, in sort of imitating them and then trying to put my own spin on it, um, 
And then, you know, applying the same method to other franchises that I feel like don't get that same attention or, or are appreciated in a certain sense. Because Metal Gear is very much appreciated and has been analyzed um, in terms of the story, gameplay, meta narrative. Those things, I think, have been expressed and, uh, and talked about. And everyone kind of understands, even if you haven't played the games, you're like, yeah, they, you know, the games sort of set a standard for cinematic, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, but I didn't feel like I thought that that was an interesting approach. Conversations like that compelled me. Um, and so, yeah, from there, I just, uh, I've been looking, I mean, um, the three initial videos I did on my channel, which were covering the, the three protagonists, I marked them as old, uh, recently because I want to, um, do updated versions of that because, about the time that I made those compared to now, I'd probably say that's like 20% of my, of a knowledge base compared to what I have now, which um, is just looking through like uh, buying some of these Japanese guides uh, using translation software to um, get a crude understanding, talking to uh, you know, all, all these guys that you guys know on Twitter who are bilingual or, or understand the context Um and then just going through archive.org and finding, uh, you know, interviews and the old websites with official character descriptions, story descriptions, um, and uh, like the novelizations, Kojima interviews, just trying to find as much information as I can and then present this topic in a way that, uh, you know, is it, I at least think, uh, uh, at the very least, an iota more evolved than those, you know, um, playground conversations about Batman versus Spider-Man or something like that, at least in the way that they're right. Like if you took it to its logical conclusion, if you actually ran the numbers, like where would this actually go through? It's not just you brought the receipts, if you will. Exactly. Rather rather than two nerds fighting in a hallway about it, they both go home and independently research every (laughs) single thing the characters have done and present (laughs) their arguments at the end rather than in a back and forth. I like it. The example I used when we were talking earlier was like when people talk about who would win between Tyson and Ali and the Prime. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. what it. That's what it reminds me of. That's a conversation I've had many, many times. So right, um, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you had mentioned you kind of go through all these sources, both that are more of like canonical, so you know, folks who are translating the actual story mm-hmm. to interviews, but also you know, actually doing some academic research for that error. You know, presumably, it, you know, for characters like the boss or mm-hmm. um, big boss or anybody from, you know, an era that we can kind of track. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess my question to you is with all that considered, like, especially with metal gear, it's such an historical fiction. Mm-hmm. If you could like break down a percentage of how much of that comes from, you know, the game, it's lore and particularly it's, it's more, uh, more bombastic aspects or more supernatural aspects mm-hmm. compared to perhaps like, like you know more historical information you know what type of technology or available of weapons that they had during the time of snake eater right you know things like that well that that's uh that's a good question because there kind of is a specific answer um so uh, i think it's in and i have the um, the physical version of this it's mgs3 the countdown i think it is um and uh kojima talks and talks in it and he um he's talking about the fox unit and uh, the example he gives, I think, is like one of their guns or something was made in 1960 uh, something. And the game is set in 1964, but it's in a later era. And Kojima says it's as if these guys are from the future, like they come in with these 
anachronistic uh, technologies. And Kojima even also said, I think it was GameSpy.com. I'm going to try to sound as smart as I can by citing all these things. Uh, but uh, I think it was GameSpy in like 2004. They asked him if CQC was, you know, something that had been researched, if it was, if they were going to use martial arts, if they'd gone back and seen like, how would somebody fight in the 60s? And he was like, no, I want it to look interesting. I want it to look new. I want it to look engaging. So he was using cutting edge fighting disciplines that he had you know, gotten from uh, Mato Satomori. Um, so to be honest, very little, I'd say, is uh, contemporary to the time um, in terms of what they were looking at. They kind of, because even like the Davy Crockett um, that they used at the start of MGS3, which obviously has a historical precedent. For whatever reason, I don't know why they why they did it, you know. Uh, but Sigint in that in MGS three says that the boss wasn't. He, he's like the normal Davy Crockett's like twenty kilotons, whatever. But she was actually using a hyper mega experimental Davy Crockett, which is even more powerful. Um, and so, you know, as much as I can gather, either just to being compelling or unique, or you know, not to be archaic. Uh, they kind of, when it comes to like the period piece games, disregard, um, you know, whatever was around and relevant at the time for newer, more fantastical concepts. Gotcha. That makes sense. So it sounds like it sounds like the creative direction, you know, like the good. You used the better term than I did. The achronistic elements of it definitely sort mm. of answer answer the question for you about how much you should use, you know, historical reference. To that and that end is. Not that much at all. <laughs> yeah, and and they make blanket statements as well that kind of like the boss has been stated um, for for her time to just be the best soldier ever, warrior of all time. And so at that point, it's like you know, and I've I've thought about because um, I've done it a little bit when they they cite specific units, like in the uh, Darkness of Shadow Moses, they say that Foxhound was better than Delta Force and like the Blackhawks or some some unit I had never heard of. And because of that, I had looked into, you know, actual, what had they done? What are they, you know, and it was like their tier one counterterrorism. Um, and so there's, there's little instances where I can look into that, but mostly it's, uh, it's, there's not a huge point in doing so. Cause they just say this blanket, like, okay, well, you know, if somebody were to want to argue with me or, or do a debate and be like, all oh, this certain, historical figure or this unit at the time is better or worse. I'm just like, well, the boss was just said better than everybody. So like, I don't, it's, <laughs> it's not super good to go through all like the real world minutiae, I guess. So how does something like um, Metal Gear's meta narrative play into this? So for example, considering the, the, the fight between Solid Snake and Liquid Snake on paper, Liquid Snake mm -hmm. would win, but sort of the point of the story in MGS one is that Liquid was sort of a, a prisoner to his own fate. Right. And even though Snake was technically the weaker of the two, he came out on top. So there's always this sort of like who has the stronger will, right, who, right, right. who is kind of playing to the theme of what we're talking about aspect to it. So how much of that do you take into consideration? Um, as much as I can when it applies to, because I mean, that's a, that's a good example. And I, and I have given thought to that. Um, what's interesting about the solid, and liquid example. And it's kind of true for a lot of the, um, a lot of the final bosses, a lot of the like, cause you know, like you have naked snake who, you know, the boss encounters him throughout MGS three, but she's obviously just 
uh, far superior throughout most of their, and he's getting better as the game uh, goes along. Um, But she's not having to like break a sweat for the most part. Whereas Naked Snake has to fight the Cobra unit who are the greatest war, like the the absolute best forces that exist at the time um, who all have weird X-Men superpowers. He has to fight Vulgan who, uh, you know, can shoot 10 million volts. He gets tortured by Vulgan. And then at the end of this marathon, he has to encounter the boss um, who hasn't really been doing anything near as, as, as much as strenuous as difficult. And the same is true for solid snake, you know, liquid. He shot down those, uh, whatever, you know, whatever the fighter jets, uh, not physically taxing. Um, and then, you know, he has, uh, he, you know, gets shot of the high and he parachutes, um, and so on and so forth. But what's interesting about the solid example Uh, solid versus liquid is again solid has been running this whole marathon being tortured being shocked by ocelot uh fighting all these dudes and liquid is not really done near as much but so and the uh yano um novels uh the he went by the pen name nojima i gotten those i translated those through artificial intelligence and you know uh all these other things And, and usually i'll if it's something super like important to me, I'll get that fact checked by somebody who um, speaks the language. But um, that that he and he was in contact with Kojima the whole time. He uh, said during the Peace Walker novel that Kojima was essentially a co-editor of the thing or a co-writer because of how involved he was with it. And um, in the MGS One novel, he says, you know, Snake is so wounded. Um, I think it's a, it's something to the effect of. You know, he's he's there equal at this point because Snake is is so is so beaten up and battered. Um, but to the point of the meta narrative, um, you said it yourself with the willpower thing. That's a thing that pretty much all of the games say um, the boss says it. She's like, you know, I, technique is something that you can teach, but that's not even important. The most important thing is spirit. And then Raiden in, in MGS2 says, you know, the. um you can't get through this with just training alone or whatever. He says it has to be something higher, pure will. Um, and so the meta narrative is definitely important, but um, at the end of the day, you know, these are two guys fighting uh, and uh, I kind of just have to take it for what it is. You know, whether you think liquid is morally weaker or stronger or conceptually more durable, it really, you know, you have snake who's, who is super fatigued at this point, fighting a much less so liquid and is still able to beat him um, at the end of the day. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Um, Or what about like, I guess, I guess this sort of just kind of plays into the same, to the same concept of the interpretation in MGS3 that the boss and potentially even the Cobras were all pulling their punches. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, especially at Peace Walker when he says that, you know, she put down her gun. In the end, she put down her gun. When she did, she rejected her entire life up to that point, including me. What do you mean? In giving up her life, she abandoned everything she was as a soldier. Yeah, yeah. I have. Um, I've definitely looked into that uh, because, to me, so there's there's two things um, when you consider. Because I, I would you is it fair? This is exciting to me. So is the reason why most of you besides the Peace Walker thing, would it be you would attribute the boss 
holding her punches to the end of she does she can't bring herself to kill Naked Snake because obviously she can she's fine well, with pummeling him and, and attempting to like stab him you know in their fights. I don't really have a horse in the race if I'm being honest. Uh-huh. It's just an interesting thought experiment because you, if you consider it, her mission was to lose. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I think she was just riding out her mission, which happened mm-hmm. to be pull your punches yeah. and don't kill this guy that has to come back. Like, yeah, I mean that. Um, if you come back, people are going to be pissed, <laughs> right? But her attitude during the fight was like, "I'm going to put my all into this." So right. I mean, yes. it, you could yes. it could really go either way. Yeah. Well, so the um, analogy that I like to use is look at like a UFC fight uh, or UFC fighters. They're trying to win. Absolutely. They're, they're giving it their all and trying to win. They're using their techniques. They're hitting as hard as they can. Uh, but they're not like trying to rip your head off. They're not going to get you in a headlock and decapitate you or, you know, uh, do any of these techniques that are inherently lethal. But they're hitting as hard as they can. They're going, moving as fast as they can. They're using their utmost. And, um, and as well, this is not necessarily meta-narrative, but it's more so just how the characters are thinking. Um, the boss does this whole speech. She's moving herself to tears. Uh, and then she says, let's make this the greatest fight of our lives. Uh, to me, and again, this is just like, I probably, this isn't like a primary argument I would make. But uh, everything, I think that character would reign really hollow if in that moment you thought she was just like, I don't know, lying or something, you know, that she has the capacity to move herself to tears and, and, uh, has all this. And, and, you know, I think, I think the argument as well can easily be made that because she knows she's dying because she knows she has to die. Um, she's going to give it her all, you know, she, she's because she's going to die either way. Um, there are already bombs coming. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, to the point, talking about the Yano novels, uh, they the boss just I think it's just stated the boss is like going all out like they pretty uh, which is good for me. I love when it's super explicit. But um, but yeah, that's something that uh, is explicitly and as well, um, the um, piggyback guide for MGS3 um, uh, uses the um, it's like a military idiom, give no quarter and ask no quarter or no quarter taken. And uh, I have uh, friends and family who are in active service and, and looking into the definition of that as well pretty much means uh, giving no mercy and asking for no mercy. And the piggyback guides, um, you know, the MGS5 one is like 100% authoritative, got this information from Kojima, like Kojima Productions. Kojima has like quotes in all of them. Um, and MGS3, the guide specifically says they got like insider information from like exclusive information from the staff, which I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen that statement in, in another guide, so I figure that is more than likely what it is supposed to be. But it'd be really funny though if the boss just sort of won anyway and was like, "Shit, now what?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, just here come the nukes! Like they're, you know, they're just gonna bomb us anyway. <laughs> Guess um, I'll just die now. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> that is so fucking nihilistic. I guess peace is achieved. I, I, I you know, I mean, sure, but uh, but yeah, and then the Peace Walker, um. I think because, you know, Peace Walker, it's it's that game's a weird game. It's a it's a weird game for me. <laughs> it is. It uh, is. It's so weird. And I think because of what I try to do is I try to look at when I ask these questions is I try to take the saga holistically uh, because a lot of them have they they the theme like I mentioned before with the boss and and 
ride in the boss all saying these things that spirit's most important you need and then the solid example as well which i think the yano novel also says um also uh, backs that up with like willpower being the most important thing in a fight but uh oh so the whole series you look at mgs2 and they're like you can't recreate a person through like it needs to be a tangible experience to turn somebody I mean, even Big Boss and MGS Forces, it's never been done. Nobody's ever been able to turn someone else into another person. Um, and obviously, this the the Patriot AI is, is meant to is meant to express the boss's will, but it's corrupted. Obviously, it, it's not it's not viable. It's not a vi- you can't do that. And um, in the MGS three novel, they say that everybody when the Peace Walker uh, drowned itself. It's drowned a word, drown itself. Yeah. Um, everybody was shocked. Strange love, like they couldn't understand it because killing yourself was specifically not in, in the snake eater imperative. And that that code had been removed intently. You know, the, the because she, they were trying to replicate what was her final thoughts was Strange Love's idea. So she had gotten rid of suicide as a as something that, you know, the the AI pod could do. Um and then, you know, as well, they say, like, it was never really the boss. So, and then also the game, you know, big boss is having these, like, dreams that it, it's the end of MGS3, but it's dialogue from the start. And I think that game is, at least to me, comes across as the point. It's just another expression of you can't recreate somebody and it's never going to be accurate. Um, and as well, if big boss really knew what the boss was thinking, there wouldn't be this big misinterpretation, I think. But again, that's all to me. I just have a blanket statement that says she went all out and I'm comfortable with that. But, you know, there, that's all all that other stuff is is obviously hyper interpretive and uh, subjective. It just seems like such a good time to like or like such a short time to like get good. Like cause she's just big boy and I'm the whole time <laughs> just like slamming him around. Yeah. But you've got to keep it within the game, the narrative of the video game, right? If you're telling that story, right. like time has to be compressed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, he sleep, sleeps twice. It's over three days, right? Uh, August thirtieth to September second. I think I looked at this recently. I'm not just some rain man. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, and that's another thing uh, as well. It is a short time. But even the boss at the end, um, as you're fighting her, as like, most Metal Gear bosses have like dialogue while you're fighting them, and uh, the boss will say things like "You've gotten stronger, your skills improved," um, and then you have examples like Ocelot, who uh, is able to go from in less time, in less exposure, rather, he gets dominated by Rusty. You know, I've been a Green Bear for so long, I don't remember CQC that well. Naked Snake at the start of the game. And then by the end of the game, he just beat the boss, yeah. whether you think it was, you know, it, it, was she doing 90%, 95% of her effort? I, you know, I would say all of it, but, um, and then he performs pretty well, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, there are guides that say he can adapt. He, he, there are guides that say he perfected his own form of CQC just by watching uh, Big Boss, just by watching Big Boss do it. Um, so, and that's why I kind of... Uh, I've been saying I've been writing a, a script that's just a super it goes through every game in chronological order and just covers everything. And um and uh I've been trying I've been saying like this is more like Marvel comics than like 
Jason Bourne. You know, that's yeah. that's the territory that <laughs> yeah. Metal Gear is operating in. Yeah, I'm starting know? to think these games aren't that realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You use the term like he's uh, like city level uh, powerful. I, th- I yes. thought it was pretty cool. So that just, yeah. you know, just able to destroy a whole city. Uh, yeah, that was uh, recently on your on the Boba Fett versus uh, Snake right. video. I, I imagine, yeah. So that too, though, people get mixed up on that because um, there's these uh, there's a distinction between area of effect, which um, you know, to use Dragon Ball as an example, uh, you know, Frieza can do a giant energy ball that is as big as a planet. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, Naked Snake can't do things like that. They don't have the range to do that, but behind their strikes or the amount of energy their body can withstand um, is in proportion to things that would be necessary to, to lay waste to a city. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I would never propose that, uh, that solid snake could, could front kick a city away, but maybe someday (laughs) I'm not opposed to the idea personally, but. I have a weird question for you because this, this comment has been hitting my mind ever since you started. Go for it. Is your statement. Peace Walker is a very strange game. Does that align or have anything correlate with anything that you said about earlier about uh, Portal Ops being canon? Oh, we're already we're getting into it, huh? I was waiting to see how long. I was waiting to see how long it would take. Hold on, let me dial up the snake soup here. I'm not trying to be like confrontational, you know. I'm just, you know, I no, just want to get the full no. context because this is this has been a bunch of he said, she said. <laughs> And I just no, want to get, no. get get this straight. Peace Walker is a weird game uh, in and of itself. I mean, there's like, you know, and, and, and again, to the point of, you know, I think these games are not very realistic. Uh, <laughs> That's the game that takes it to a whole nother fucking level. Yeah. Before there, like, there's rising like, is considered. That's there's like, okay, wait, he can just like lift up that machine yes, with his shoulders. Yes. It's like, okay, simmer down. And there's like dialogue, you know, like like every time Big Boss can do that, people are reacting to it. It's not some like non sequitur. Like, Cos will call in and be like, "Oh my god, what'd you just what'd you just do?" And uh, <laughs> Paws will react if, if you catch Zeke, and and uh, the boss AI will react if you catch Peace Walker's uh, leg. But there's also the cutscenes where he just goes to Monster Hunter World, uh, and it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> if you. If you take the position that these games are wholly realistic and they are stealth, they're like I don't know, they're J, they're uh, they're Rambo type things, you know. Uh, then I think there's so there's such a larger preponderance of evidence where it's like, is it really that much crazy crazier to say that there are giant monsters than you know uh, teleporters in the '80s or giant mechs in the '60s and. Uh, and uh, you know, so on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's another thing too that I wanted to uh, to talk about, um, as to subtly skirt the Peace Walker sub or Portable Op subject. We'll get but, back uh, to that. Okay, all right. I'll um, be in the back of my mind, don't you? Uh, but um, so the nano machine thing, because I, I have tried to uh, come to grips with this myself, and and four. You know, there's the it's everybody's talked about it. Nano machines, they they take the mystique out of the series uh, in a way. Um, obviously, there are exceptions, but people point to like um, Mantis and Vamp. They're the biggest examples, I think. But I've always been like, okay, sure. There before there was no explanation. Now there is one. 
but is it really that much less fantastical that like okay vamp is like a mutant is like what we were led to believe at first he's just some freak like uh pliskin says uh is it really that much more fantastical that that's the case than somebody made a smaller than a blood cell size machine that can turn someone into a mutant is, is it less it, it, i don't know i've always figured that they're probably just as implausible and mystical or whatever but yo i would be devastated if vance bisexuality was because of nano machine <sighs> my goodness you know the nano machine thing is uh, a a symptom i think uh-huh. uh, of a deeper problem with metal gear solid 4 uh, right. and, and stop me if you if you've heard this from me before <laughs> so this is this is sort of a personal taste thing, but I really enjoy uh, ambiguous. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Specifically, ambiguity in storytelling when it's calculated. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite examples is honestly, and, and I know it's trite, but Final Fantasy VII, uh, the ending to that game where it fast forwards five hundred years and you see Red Thirteen with his offspring, mm. and you look over the edge of of the the cliff and you see Midgar overgrown and it's left to the player's imagination as to whether or not the planet decided that humanity deserved to live or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, you know, the ending is very optimistic, but it leaves sort of an open question for you to think about. Right. Um, yes. And I really enjoyed that. And then Advent Children comes along and is like, now nah, they're fine. Uh-huh. Um Metal Gear Solid 2 is is an is probably my you know my favorite example in in games of this. Um of it raises more questions than it answers, far more. And in doing so it largely serves its own message of how information can sort of lead you astray and you need to make up your own mind about things. So, mm-hmm. you know, the ambiguity in MGS2 is part of the message of that game. And mm-hmm. MGS4 then comes along and undermines all of that. Now, I get that it does it with sort of a point in mind, Mm. but it's in a lot of ways the antithesis of MGS2, and it strips that game of its mystery and its meaning, and I think that's a lot of what people don't like about it, even if they can't quite articulate it. Mm. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, The Nana Machine thing, though, is always, that that specifically has always confused me. I'm like, is it less? Is it less sci-fi? Uh, you know, I, I don't. It, I don't. I don't know how you would make that. You know, it's still it's a mystery to me how that's pl- plausible. The nanomachines giving people superpowers. I guess. I mean, to be fair, they didn't really explain Psychomanus with nanomachines, but like he. Well, well yeah, they they say it's like his, his nanomachines were put into Screaming Mantis, and then it gives her powers. So I guess one might extrapolate that that's the origin of the powers if they could, I right? suppose but yeah, he was a site you know but then you go into MGSV and, and right which retcons his MGS1 origin anyway and yeah just, yeah on yeah. that note and before we start I just want to say that I haven't finished Stranger Things yet but I've, I'm seeing a lot of Psycho Mantis vibes the Vecna Ve- Vecna but yeah. in any, either case um yeah on the note of retcons like to what extent have retcons? Because you mentioned like, oh, I labeled these videos old because I plan to update them. 
is is part of that because of retcons and even with that you know to what extent have retcons especially in retcons in this series jesus christ have they you know (laughs) affected your calculation so to speak um i would say less so uh the reason why those videos i consider outdated is because of retcons because i'm those videos came out by the time phantom pain had already released sure Uh, yeah but um, I, I, it was just more so I just I've learned a lot more. I've just found uh, a lot more information and can either articulate my points better or um, or have new points that sort of reaffirm uh, what I believed. And, and just again, just new information wholly. But um, I'm trying to think of a specific retcon that uh, I can say there's one there's one thing that surprisingly hasn't been retconned that, uh, that I've, that has helped, uh, uh, I guess, support a picture potentially when I make my feature video, which is, uh, Madnar in Metal Gear two. Uh, if you, he, 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 he somehow Madnar, this scientist, this old, you know, Einstein looking motherfucker, is able to come up from behind Snake and choke him to the point where dialogue is like, I can't breathe. And Snake, the only way to get past that section is to remote control Nikita 14 missiles into the dude's back. <laughs> and there has never been, he's not, there's outside of headcanon, there's nothing saying he's like a robot or, and he lives until MGS4. He's fine. Rebuttal. Have you ever played the game Tekken 3? <laughs> uh, no, but I'm, I'm interested to hear this. There's an old, there's a character in Tekken named Doctor. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Banakovich, Banakovich. I, I can't pronounce okay. Russian names very well. It's it's a okay. thing with the show. Uh, but he's like an old man. Kind of looks like Doctor Madnar without the mustache, and you right, right. can like whoop his ass, whoop 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 ass on Tekken with him. I'll, I'll pull up a YouTube video. I mean, unironically, Doctor Madnar. Uh would probably solo a lot of other fictional verses just based on the fact that he can kind of restrain Solid Snake for a minute. So, uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going to send you this video. It's in live chat. It's going to be okay. in the channel above. I want you to take a quick look at this while we're talking. And this is going to be right. my versus pass. Dr. Madnar versus Dr. Banoxovich. Uh, all right, I'm looking. You got Lee over here. Oh my god, 20 seconds in. Okay. <laughs> he he get he starts the fight on his back. That's some that's beast mode. He yeah, gets the guard it, down. It, it, it takes a bit of time to get used to him. He controls a bit weird. Okay. Is he like the Voldo of Tekken 3? I would say, yeah. That's just a very close comparison. Like they both are very like unpredictable with their movements. Hmm. God, that Madnor thing bugged me so much. Did you did you ever hear? The um the data mind codec conversation yeah, that somebody yeah, found. Yeah, yeah like yeah. for the longest time before I had heard that, I was thinking to myself, all right, maybe it's just a coy little Easter egg and it's a maybe it's a relative or something. Like it's not really Madnar. And then that comes oh, out yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh son of a bitch, it's actually him. Like what you, in the because yeah, it implies he died in uh right? in two. Yeah. And then yeah, he's yeah. like, Oh, by the way, sorry, dude. Dr. Madnar offered Sonny and Naomi his full support. He's going to lend them a dialysis machine. No charge. Hmm. Good to hear. I hear you saved the doctor and his little girl back at Outer Heaven. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Always good to help others. That reminds me. Madnar wanted me to tell you. His daughter Ellen is married now. 
Kids, too. Three of them. Uh, one more thing. He said to tell you he's sorry. Yeah. He's strong. I'm so, I don't know what to tell. You know, that's one of those things where people will, they'll be like, nah, man, uh, that, that, uh, that feat is, uh, that's just some outlier. I'm like, bro, that's, I didn't make these. I didn't write this game. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, this isn't me. You're, you're shooting the messenger here. Madinar is just Madinar and you gotta, you know, you gotta respect that. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess in a way that is, I actually is a retcon, uh, days that, uh, that, uh, he, Madinar was supposed to have been killed from that, but, uh, but survived into, into 2014. Uh, so man, but, uh, be glad you were not around in the late nineties, early two thousands for this stuff, because on the subject of like guides being informed by Kojima and having insider information, there was for the longest time, this, this, uh, MGS one strategy guide, the mission handbook, the yeah, official and, mission handbook. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and Kojima, was reviewing the you know the writing for that they were sending it mm. back and forth and everything was checked and official and even though they were sort of adding their own things kojima was like saying yeah this works yeah, we can yeah. keep this this is this is right and then over the years sure enough it just sort of got rid you know overwritten uh mm. by the games and that used to be like the bible for metal right. gear you know <laughs> where like debates were won or lost over what that <laughs> book said and now it's it's you might as well just forget about it. Yeah, I, I've I've tried to be uh to be very careful uh in in looking into those things and uh and I think it's you know I think it's interesting that because I came into the series pretty much it was already you know in the in the kind of state it's in right now was when I took this approach. Um, and so I think it's interesting that I've, I'm looking through these archive.org websites and, and old magazine interviews and uh, and that you were there for the for the front lines. That was a, something I was looking forward to talking about is, is instances, instances like that where, you know, you can uh, you can cite things like that with the mission handbook. But, yeah, I, I got that um that screenshot. I think it was bad humans who dug it up um, from some website that said, yeah, it went it, went, it was approved by Kojima. But yeah, that's something that um, I definitely have to to look at. But then also too, I think people, when it comes to analyzing the series, they're a little they're a little unforgiving when it comes to things like that. Where you know some some little yeah. thing will be retconned, you know, and um, and I think that's mostly due to uh, when I when I get the sense because I try when. Just doing what I'm doing and, and trying to scrub as deep into the bottom of the barrel as possible. Like, uh, you know, I'm looking at E3 pamphlets of like, oh, wow, they call MGS4 the most uh, intense mission in the series yet. Let me get that. You know, I need that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm looking at things like that. So uh, lost my train of thought. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's people when you when you look at it at that granular level and then you have other people doing it, it's it's most likely that's that's the only thing they can dedicate that enough enough time to. And so they kind of exist in this echo chamber where for me, I, I take a similar approach. I don't think I've done it um, as I've done as deep a dive as I have with Metal Gear, but I look at other communities and they're much less, you know, it's like, okay, sure. This guide said something about Gray Fox or something about Mantis, but like, you're really going to throw the baby out with the bathwater because Kojima changed one thing in a game 20 years later. Like the whole thing's yeah. wrong now. Like I've always been like, uh, 
that's a little bit silly to me. Like there's still some relevant things I think in the mission handbook, um, you know, uh, more, more or less. Um, I'm trying to think of something specific. I, I, while you're thinking, I do think it's funny that you do take in marketing into the situation. Yeah. Because marketing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, marketing has this hyperbole to sell you on it. And you were like, yeah, MGS Forces, it's the toughest mission ever. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, uh, tip w w again, I, I try to look at the whole the whole thing. And um, if there are things that I think don't make sense with the whole, I do say, all right, you know, this this probably isn't consistent. Um, and I, I have like a obviously to me, the ultimate end all what everything has to adhere to is the games itself, any source, any piece of material I get to. If um if it doesn't align with the games, at least in their current form with all retcons accounted for, um, then uh, you know, again, I won't throw out a whole guide if one thing's wrong, but I'll say, you know what, that one thing probably doesn't hold up. Right. Like what about like games like, you know, like with twin snakes, like where it's like, mm -hmm. hmm, is this is this necessarily like the right. canon or is this kind of just like extra or well, with there's twin okay, MGS one, um, I feel like is the RE four of Metal Gear games, and I mean that in the sense where it has been iterated and reiterated upon. You have the graphic novel, you have the motion graphic novel, you have Twin Snakes, you have Into the Darkness of Shadow Moses, you have obviously the original version, um, and Kojima. So with the when the Legacy Collection came out, he bundled in the motion comics of MGS one and two, and this I think is the most. Uh, this is the how I would use this. Like it's a good utility. It's a good example. He said that he put those on there uh, so that if players couldn't, if modern day players couldn't handle the you know ancient archaic uh, uh, you know uh, hieroglyphic control scheme of MGS one and two, <laughs> that they could watch the motion comics and get the story. Now, obviously, there are some deviations there between yeah. the comic um, and the original game uh, games, rather. But um, the way I look at it to where it makes some kind of sense is I'll use the example of like Raiden at the end, because uh, and obviously in the main game, Raiden beat Solidus in the comic Solidus uh, kind of throws Raiden aside and Snake comes in and, you know, one shots him, just stabs him through the chest and says, uh, you know, a one liner. Um, the way I interpret that is Kojima is kind of saying in a way, um, if that were to happen, if if Raiden were to lose, Snake would come in and would be able to effectively deal with the problem. He would he would be able to perform at this level. Yeah. And Twin Twin Snakes is a weird example too because um, I don't know what event it is. If Nitroid, if you know it, it would uh, it would be of some use to me. I'd just I'd be interested, but it's. It's Kojima and you know some other people in Kojima Productions. They're at a panel and there's the um, it's breaking down like you have MGS one two three subsistence and then it says like Gaiden and uses Acid Ghost Babble in one bubble and it says Metal Gear Solid and then under that in uh, quotations or in, in uh, colons it says the Twin Snakes. Um, I don't know what event that is. I remember that. Um, yeah. But what's funny and this is sort of a, a you know. You can you can say it's either a bug or a feature with Kojima is that he will, you know, change his own writing and yeah. his own his own facts from moment to moment to suit whatever it is he's trying to do. And Twin Snakes was sort of ignored uh, past a certain point. So uh -huh. 
Uh, but I, I do remember, I, I do remember there was a lot of early sort of, I don't want to say acknowledgement, but insinuation uh-huh. that the Twin Snakes was sort of supplanting the original. But yeah, you, you have you have that slide. You have MGS4, which uses kind of yeah. cutscenes and imagery from both. Um, obviously, the nature well, of the dub uh, favors the sort of twin. And that was like a Konami directive um, that they they get rid of the accents in Twin Snakes and then maintain that in four. And then also an interesting one. This is why I love all these guys on Twitter with uh, in four. um you're i think it's in the fox hallway snakes walking down that and i don't and I, I forget exactly in what aspect of it but it it is i think it's because all these flashbacks are supposed to be like snake memories or something and they there was they added on a scene they they extended that scene in in the twin snakes and so um in the audio that they use for that hallway it is dependent upon snake having seen it i think which he only sees it in Twin Snakes, the like slaughter that's happening if, in the hallway. If I could offer a counterpoint to this. Let's hear it. Um, it's, I think, crucial to consider the Japanese version of Metal Gear Solid 4 here. Mm. Because it does not... They, they use the original audio. Yeah, I, I'm yes, curious but, about that. But, but they... Here's the, here's the, the tricky part. Um, the audio for Twin Snakes right, right, in right, Japan yeah, yeah. was the original. They didn't have to reco- re-record okay. it. They only re-recorded the English dialogue. Right. Uh, so what you have is 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 sort of a, a contradiction here. So mm. the top, uh, if you will, I would I would call this the tiebreaker. Mm. Uh, when there are flashbacks, visual flashbacks, mm. they are of MGS One. They are not of Twin Snakes. Right. It, yeah, but uh, it's interesting because you have it's like okay, those flashbacks are like obviously they're kind of an omniscient, like they're like a button yeah. prompt, and they're kind of like obviously they're not things that the characters have seen. They're like Im- impressions of what they've done, and it's it's more so to the audience's point as right. well as those like slideshow you know sequences where they will use uh, Twin Snakes visuals. And for me, Twin Snakes is like I think. You because what uh, what people are like oh Snake does things in Twin Snakes that he could never do in the other games I think is kind of the impression um, and in again because you know there's many reasons why people wouldn't want that to overridden the original and I'm not gonna act like uh, Metal Gear Solid One the original isn't a superior version um, but there's really nothing the, the the best thing I think that Twin Snake would offer from me for my perspective is we get to see some of the fights. Uh, because in like the original, you just press circle and then Fox, like the cutscene starts where he's already been defeated. But in Twin Snakes, you kind of see that play out, which I think is interesting. The novel also provides that. And I think the novel is more probably like a Kojima, if, if that was your barometer of canonicity or whatever, mm. um, that would be more in favor. And we do get to see kind of how the fight plays out in that as well. I but like, know. but like the, um, like backflipping over a missile and and that that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe in, in, a, in an acrobatics. Like Snake does flips in the original. People well, do acrobatic stuff. The uh, um the common you know answer to this question, if you want to call it an answer, it's more like a a, a recurring joke at this point. Is that you know, uh, MG yeah, 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 yeah. MGS one is the truth. Twin Snakes is the legend. Twin Snakes is either uh, you know it's like Otacon telling the story at a bar is what people say. Yeah, the only problem with that is Otacon. 
uh, is easily embarrassed by his own, like an MGS2, uh, when Snake reminds him of him wetting the locker, he's like bashful about it. He's like, oh, come on. Like, he's very offended by that. So why would he tell that part of the <laughs> well, story? Well, I don't, I mean, I don't mean literally, he but. He drops the sniper rifle. Like, I know that, like, that, that, I'm like, why would Otacon at a bar make himself look worse? Like, wouldn't he do something impressive or. Um, or two, you can think of it like, like you said earlier, where it's like you can kind of replace the the situation and say like, okay, well, yeah. if he was in this situation, would right. he be able to handle it? And okay, cool, he'd probably do it well, this way. So I, I will say that Ocelot or Ocelot, God damn it, I do this every week. I will say that Otacon is probably would likely be in character for him to like at at some point during the story just admit that he pissed himself. Like <laughs> after he gets ribbed on for like two hours about it, it's like <laughs> an unmetal segment. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Yes, yes. Did you pee your pants? <laughs> I mean, he yeah. did tell Naomi that he was an otaku. Yeah. Yeah, but like that first he's proud of that. You know, he he wears that on his sleeve. He wears uh he has anime posters up in his office and stuff. I don't know if we know he's embarrassed about pissing himself, at least. We know that. He's not yeah, I doubt he told Naomi that, you know, I don't think that would work as well, well in uh getting the desired this does- outcome. This does sort of raise an interesting question though. What do you do when there's a direct contradiction? So uh, I can't think of any that would necessarily impede combat, but but mm. just off the top of my head, when Liquid says that, you know, Big Boss was in his late 50s when he was cloned, and mm. in the canon it happens in the early 1970s, which puts him, you know, no older than 40. Yes. Uh, I would I have to check. I would have to check the novel again to see what it says. I don't remember yeah. what it says exactly. Um, I have a Google Doc that is just the like uh, rough because obviously it's it's translated, it's not localized. And if I wanted, if I were to try to spread this, because I've seen other people, the MGS Five novel, someone has. It's not. I I was I promise, man. Cheyenne on Twitter, I was refreshing that thread every day to get <laughs> something new of that novelization. But somebody Hi, went. Yeah, we love you, uh, Shane. But somebody, Shane, I'm sorry, but somebody went and did the whole thing and they had done that. They'd used the localized lines, but um, I would have to check to see exactly what it says in that case. But uh, I'm pretty sure that that would have been fixed. But I think that's probably um, that's for whatever, for better or worse, that's just a mantis thing as well. That's just another example of like, you know, because it wasn't there, uh, in the manual of Metal Gear 2. They had like a whole different backstory for Big Boss. Um and uh, I'm pretty sure they like said how he lost his eye in a certain like in the a different war or something. They had I'm pretty sure I might be mis- misremembering, but I mean, uh, there's a lot of weird stuff like I mean, there's some stuff that you can sort of headcanon your way around, like Miller having a daughter later in life. Right. Yeah. He like when, adopts or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I've always there. So I really Miller's from 1984 until 99. I really want to get Miller's headspace because, you know, he's he's like vengeful uh, in 84. He's like, I'm going to train in this, you know, this is my territory. He's like, I'm going to train Solid Snake the best I can to kill Big Boss. Um, But then Snake, uh, you know, talking to Liquid, he's like, he's like, there's a friendship, there's a camaraderie. And then, um, you know, presuming he, you know, make a few presumptions, but assuming the, the art of him is somewhat evocative of how he ends up. He potentially gets like new limbs, which was a big thing for him in 84. If he adopts a daughter, he goes through a very weird um, character arc. And, and I would very, I would really like to see that. And uh, 
and that's another thing too in translating these novels they they add a few things that um like they talk about how Otacon has vague like recollections of being put in Sahalanthropus and it's implied that kind of informed the design of um Rex subconsciously and um that's cool there's a whole it is yeah stuff like that and uh there's a whole thing as well I think Emma Emmerich has um she talks a lot she talks about uh like they they reference Huey not being able to walk, I'm pretty sure, and some other things like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the the besides even just trying to like get statements or feats or whatever, that's a cool thing in the in some of the novels that they provide. But to answer your question, I would in direct contradiction, I would probably favor whatever is more recent. And again, I look at the games as like that is the if something contradicts those, then I always favor what the games are because that is the thing. You know, that's what Metal Gear is. Yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> and that's a that's one thing too where uh you know if we're going to talk about portable ops, you know, uh I could do that. Um because I think I have a unique perspective, but um Kojima well here's actually I'll pivot to this. I'll I'll try to you know, you guys are going to have to force me to talk about portable ops actually. I'm not going to give you guys the victory there. I'll be <laughs> kicking and screaming. But what cuz this is the Kojima frequency here. So, I wanted to talk about how the power scaling whatever perspective is Kojima will talk about and big things too. And I think uh, Nitro, you'll find this interesting. Obviously, Raiden exists for many reasons. The concept of Raiden, you know, he's a vector for the player, all these things. But another reason that Kojima expressed was Snake at this point in the series is so good. He's so proficient at his job. Right, right. That for the player to die would be in stark contrast as Snake at the, to his skill level necessitating Raiden to, to be well, this rookie character. It, it wasn't so much that Snake would die as it was, it wouldn't make sense for the game to give you tips over the codec. Well, there's that, and I have I, I have that, the codec thing, but there's, there's also another statement that said if if Raiden, you know, you can't die and losing, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it contradicts who Snake is mm. at that point. Um, okay, cool. I'd like to see, yeah, I, I want to yeah, see yeah. that. I can give you that. And then also um, the conception of Liquid Snake. Uh, Kojima was like, you know, this is big stuff. He's saying we should have rebooted with Solid, but we didn't. And in doing that, an extension of that was, you know, the Metal Gear, he's like, Snake fought all these tough guys in the MSX games. And so the only way that we could present him a new threat would be a clone, somebody who is, you know, um, there's a reason for him to be as good as Snake is. That's the next. That, that's the only plausible threat, uh, you know, after the MSX characters. So Venom, Snake, Big Boss. Um, that's like a big thing. Like he's like, yeah, you know, we didn't reboot, and and uh, so this is kind of all we're left with. And uh, he's also said that like the bosses are supposed to get stronger as they go on. And and on Twitter recently, he talked about Liquid being like the final boss always needs to be the strongest character. It needs to be the strongest thing that um the hero has so far um you know had to deal with so uh kojima i mean he, he says these things too and here's another example um where i think in a direct contradiction kojima has said he has he's at least said at times that his perspective is that um as the games progress developmentally like in terms of release order the threats keep getting more impressive so like what he has said is Foxhound unit is less powerful than the um, Dead Cell, is less powerful than the Cobra unit. 
The problem with that is uh, there's a concept. I I just learned this today. I've been using the term, but it's it's called power creep. And yes, um, you wait. Any, holy shit! You've been doing this series and all into shonens and stuff, and like you just learned power creep recently. That's that's awesome. Well, I, I I've I've only used it for shonens. I've only used it based on under that idea. But the term I found out it comes from things like Magic: The Gathering, where an earlier set of cards will come out. And then they'll be rendered useless by later packs. And so as they update the game, the old meta becomes useless and outdated. Look, look Apache and I have played a shit ton of Blizzard games, uh-huh. regrettably, and we know a thing or two about power creep. Right. We've seen it ruin a whole game multiple times, actually. It's, it's like literally destroyed World of Warcraft like multiple times, and they've had to yeah. reset everything. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I mean, I don't like MGS4 all that much as is apparent but that is sort of one of the themes of the game in a way exactly yeah um because so there there, so that's a good point because he does say that as well about the the beauty unit that they're the strongest but in bringing up power creep if you look at the series as a chronology which obviously the games consider themselves that they have timelines at the end of every game that place you know so statements about there's a linear progression that we can look at where you have Naked Snake, and in my opinion, he gets he surpasses the boss, and then he also dedicates himself. The guy, like the MGS5 piggyback guy, said he dedicates himself to becoming ever stronger. So he's just on some Goku shit where he's just like, I have to <laughs> keep getting better. Um, and uh, and then Peace Walker obviously and Portable Ops to a, another degree is like, I'm not going to live. I'm not going to willingly die. I'm not going to do what the boss did. I'm not, not going to do that. Um, which obviously, you know, she had to die. So, and then so Solid beats him, and then you have even, you know, Liquid having the scales to Solid, and so on and so forth. Um, So if you look at the games chronologically as a continuum, it gets better and better as it goes on. And to that end, I would probably say that the Kojima statement just doesn't work if you consider it that. Um, it just doesn't follow if you follow the games and, and the events and, and sort of the things that are within the games themselves. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, the B and B unit, the, all of the villains there. And this is another thing too, where it's a, it's a perspective that it can, you can enjoy things that you might not otherwise enjoy by looking at it in this perspective of going like, you know what, maybe it is kind of cool that the beauties are like every villain so far combined. And uh, and Snake has like this like super suit that can help him like combat these uh, these like, you know, comp composites villains, you know, where they have like uh, Solidus's exosuit, but it's enhanced. They say that. And uh, and also Psycho uh, or um, Decoy Mantis's abilities and so on and so forth. But but yeah, I just wanted to say because I think people uh, would be interested to know that Kojima does think about these things. even if on certain things, I think I would disagree based on the games, but it is, it's not just some perspective that I've come in and, and like, you know, try to fit a square piece in a, in a round, you know, hole. It's, it's, there is that thought process, uh, informs a lot of the series. I'll be honest. I kind of did a crash course in your videos today or not today. I'm sorry, this week. Um, mm-hmm. so this has definitely been like, yeah, this is, this is what I did on July 4th. Um, but, um, this has definitely given us at least a lot of context into cool. how those are created. So 
I'm going to dive back in with this knowledge and then wait for um, the other videos, the, the new Metal Gear videos to pop up. Yeah. I'm going to give you uh, 60 seconds to say why you think Portable Ops is canon. Go. Okay. Um, so in both the MGS1 Yano novels and the MGS uh, Peace Walker uh, Yano novel, um, they have endearing references to Peace Walker. They're not like, oh, let's forget that crap. Um, they reference. You can keep going. I'm not timing you. You're fine. You can go. <laughs> well, well, it's funny. In my script, I'm like, <gasps> and then you know, I'm like, I don't want to take too long on this. Like, I try to 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 blaze through it. So it's funny. It's just practice. But but yeah. So um, they reference how the east. Uh, they talk about in the Peace Walker when they say, because um, obviously they're in, they're still in South America, and it says like not far from here, Big Boss was involved in this east and west. He was like blamed for. Um, you know, both of them, you know, were coming after him. They both thought he was doing some fuck shit, which is the premise of Portable Ops. And then the piece, I think it's, well, no, it's the MGS1 one um, that uh, talks about um, the Portable Ops backstory for uh, Gray Fox um, and uh, how he was a child soldier. And I, and it, I have the, I think it was, it was either he ties. I never said his name out loud, but it was either him or bad humans. It always is. But, um, but they had posted that. And, uh, and, you know, like I said, in the afterward of, of the Peace Walker novel, he's like, I line by line, the, the Kojima production scenario team and Kojima himself. And he goes as far to be like, he's my co-writer. He edited, he looked at all this and would he give feedback? And also just, um, Kenji Yano overall, he, he knew about the plot of MGS5 in 2011. Kojima had briefed him on, you know, I assume the, the overarching story. And um, I think he co-wrote Death Stranding. I know he, I'm pretty sure he wrote the novels for it, at least. Um, so there are earnest references to the events of Portable Ops. Um, in, and it was they also both of those books were printed after that non-answer interview he gave anyway. Uh, so to me, um, among other things, like, in my opinion, when you have, uh, portable ops, it shows up in MGS4. I don't think it's got that mentioned in Peace Walker, like right at the beginning too. Yeah. And and people use that. People use that to say like, oh, it didn't happen. And I understand contextually they're saying, forget that game, but looking at it from a continuity perspective. What there had it had to have happened to forget, like to leave leave in the past or whatever, like from the in universe what he's talking about. Um, but again, I, I understand the uh, what people would would say to that and say, well, you know. But again, that could be for many things. It could be like the gameplay sucked, which yeah, kind of kind of did. Like Apache, <laughs> I'll I, give him. I that. tried. <laughs> I tried helping Apache out. I gave him the sixty frames per second hack on portable ops because just like him, I see the potential there, but I, I don't think the frame rate pushed it to that level <laughs> uh i i would just wish it was built with static camera like from yeah, the start yeah. I've, like, heard, I've heard you say that before i agree I, I i do really genuinely like portable ops as well i just mm-hmm. i can't see myself ever running it it's it's got its issues but i i do think it's such a great game i think give it a dual analog stick give it 60 frames per second and put in the like of the fulton 
And I think that's really all it needs because dragging those guys, I can't do it. I can't yeah, do it. it I, I say, I would say like the, I hate, I, I hate the Fulton, right? Uh-huh. I hate like, I hate like Fulton and stuff off. But at the same time, the alternative is just dragging yes. people. Yes. And that, that's even worse. It's the lesser of two evils. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, more or less, that's my opinion. And I understand it's, it's very like, whatever I say, whatever I put in a video, um, there's going to be, it's, it's really, it's yeah. kind of moot, I think, at this point, personally. But. But yeah, there's your you got it out of me. Uh, <laughs> oh, but I was I was gonna add like, in my opinion, whether Kojima, it's in four four, Kojima, nothing he can say can like warp the Blu-ray data on my disc. Yeah. When I put when I play that game, Portablops is always there. When you know, and then it's there are certain things as well. Actually, on the Konami UK website which was copywritten uh, bottom of the page. And I, uh, I, the only way back version I could find was as recent as 2020, but the copyright is 2017. Obviously after Kojima would have left and after his, his official sway on the continuity of the series, you know, he's for better or worse, he's gone. Yeah. That in, they, on that website, they have a timeline, which is the backstory of Phantom Pain. It has on their MGS3 portable ops beat by beat. Peace Walker, uh, Ground Zeroes, and Phantom Pain. And that is probably the last official timeline that we're going to get until they do something else. And it just, it has Portable Ops on there again, beat by beat. Yeah. Um, it's almost like just like Kojima's way of saying, like, yeah, I probably would have done it different had I been a little more involved, but that's, mm. this will do. I mean, we don't have any other real information from the end of snake eater to to peace walker you know like it does fill in a gap so yeah uh, somehow they got all that money well uh so again another controversial uh entry into the mgs4 data bird into the metal gear saga or whatever and again tying back into how people kind of throw out in my opinion the baby with the bathwater when it comes to the little some contradictions here and there but the mgs4 database um says that so big boss got the legacy from gene and Gene was like, start your army with this. But if I recall correctly, the Patriots didn't exist in by Portable Ops. They hadn't been formed yet. Is that right? The, the database contradicts itself in several points. Sure. But at one, uh, the reason I, I, I like to attribute to that uh, is it says in there that he used the, um, he used the legacy to bolster the Patriots. And uh, and then I also think that kind of adds to his character kind of resenting Zero um, by the end of it. And he's kind of broke as a joke because he wasted all this money uh, on Zero's, uh, you know, obsession with um, whatever, James Bond plots and secrecy and super weapons. But but yeah, the MGS4 database, I know that's been maligned and, and I've, uh, I know at least the contradictions they list on the wiki. And I don't think that's well. Okay, so are you talking about the liquid ocelot stuff? Because I've also wanted to talk about that. Well, it's um, been a while, and God, I have so many things I could say about the portable ops stuff you brought. <laughs> okay, go for it. the The liquid ocelot stuff is one aspect of it. I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I dove through the database. Uh, mm. I, I love that one that somebody actually went to the trouble of of putting the whole dang thing online. That yeah, nice. yeah, I've, that's a good resource. I've used that um, a lot looking at things. Um, yeah, I wish the, folks had put the MSX magazine online. Holy shit. 
I've been trying to research. I've never heard of that. I'm gonna have to find that. It's uh, you gotta watch the recent episode with Metal Gear D model. We go into a little bit of context there. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I, I did watch that. Um, uh, yeah, we've been trying to help him find that magazine. So right, 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 right. Okay. Okay, so I knew. Okay, speculation is sort of the name of the game here, but we're trying to stay as grounded as possible based on what information is available and what we can actually confirm. Right. Mm. Okay. Um. So one of the points you brought up. Let's just let's just back up here for a second. Okay. Is that Metal Gear Solid Four? Uh, briefly displays uh portable ops. Mm-hmm. So yes, going by that same logic. What would you say about Ghost Babble appearing in Metal Gear Solid 2? Oh, you mean the AI like corrupted appearance? Yeah. Um, well, funnily enough, in MGS4, they also reference Galuade um in the description of the Beretta. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beretta M9. Uh that's actually a good point. Um, I think there's probably contextually you have one instance in MGS2 that is very obviously, uh, I would, mm, I guess I would say it's parody. I, I'd probably say you could probably lump it in with like, okay, did he, did, did any version of the Colonel actually see a flying whatever and, and, you know, get abducted? Did Rose actually sleep with Raiden? Sure, like, sure. But this is the, awfully specific. In what way? The Galloway thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I guess it, it's it's like okay. I think again, what I would say as well, because with the it would be like the level of reverence that they're showing to the thing um, that they're referencing. So, and if they're just doing a little one-off appearance, and even still, I would argue based on MGS four, there could easily have been some mission when some place because the the Beretta M nine references it's like Snake inf- infiltrated Galuade in the past. So there's some version of that. Um, that might not necessarily sure. be one to one with uh, the game itself, the Ghost Babble game as we understand it. Sure, but um, we're head, but we're head cannoning now. Mm, why is that? Why because that? well, you can you can say yeah, I could I could kind of wrap my head into a pretzel to have a, to have an explanation for why they would mention this thing that otherwise doesn't make any sense. Uh, on the face of it, it's just making a reference to Ghost Babble. But if the if the fact of a reference existing to something is in fact evidence of it having happened, then it seems like you're trying to have it both ways. Well, let's look at again the context of the scene uh, in which Portablops is because Portablops is shown a couple times. Uh, Portablops is shown when Naomi's talking, and it's talking about the it, you know we're seeing it's it's in the context of the sequence of events that are the games themselves. Um, and then the next time is Liquid Ocelot referencing the history of the Patriots and so on and so forth. So the context in both instances are characters in the universe expressing the past of the series. And then the developers are visualizing, giving us visualization of those things. They're saying this is the tapestry of the past as these characters are referencing it. Metal Gear Solid 4 also goes into the fact, though, that there is a lot of misinformation and exaggeration about the past and even as 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 big mama puts it outright lies right within the universe itself but probably not these omniscient displays that it would be it's kind of like the flashbacks and so these, these are things that they're not within the universe itself i mean plenty of characters talk about that how um even in portal ops itself big boss says that he has sort of this overblown reputation and so forth but that's within the universe 
That's not an out-of-universe thing. I don't know if I buy that distinction, though, because Metal Gear often doesn't really respect that distinction. Okay, can you think of an analogous example? Yeah, I'm trying. It's Because, because it always sort of blurs the line between in-universe and, and sort of what it's saying to the player. There's not, there's not really a, a hard-line division between those two realms, so... Uh, this isn't so much a narrative aspect as it is just an example. Uh, mm-hmm. But when in Metal Gear, any time a character tells you to, in order to do a thing, you must press this button on your controller. Do you really think that like the Colonel is, you know, do you do you think that Snake has PlayStation buttons on his codec or his Soliton radar? Obviously not. He does when he's controlling um, the Metal Gear Mark II. Funnily enough, which is because, which is very funny. Yeah, yes. that they've got a literal PlayStation three and a and a PSP. And there's even a house in in the in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, or uh, or um, Prague, right? Yeah. Right. Well, they're uh, listening. You can hear the MSX games. Yeah. Right. So the the, but game. this sort of making my point is that there's not really a division between the, ex, you know, the 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 extra and the inter. Only example of that I can think of is like ground zeros, like where they're like, hey, this didn't really happen. Like these are, you know, like the side missions. Well, actually, mm, some of the side missions have some canonical. There's some dialogue. It was Futura Sound who did. Uh, he like had uh, there's an, there's one of the side missions in ground zeros talks about them. People forming some intelligence operation and then cause references it later. Um, but uh, but. Um, I think that's interesting, but when okay, so now we're let, if we ride that logic, can you even make a? Um, <laughs> so we got body snatchers now. Is that <laughs> potentially? Yeah. Uh, their aliens are kind of referenced <laughs> all throughout the series. Yeah. But at that point, can you make a positive claim regarding any any of it? Because you if because at one hand we can draw the uh, the distinction, which I think you can either say is either mildly arbitrary or it is grounding it in some kind of contemporary reality. Or on the other hand, you can say it's all fiction and, and you know, there, there exists this fine line where there is no, like at that point, what, what positive claim can you make regarding this? Well, that's kind of my point is that, is that it, there's not really any con- consistency here. Um, I don't know if I would, f- I don't know if I would agree in, they reference Galuade which again, like they reference in other things, I think it's plausible that Snake could have gone there. But then also the the Campbell Colonel Campbell is saying things. I see your point, but I think within these two instances, I think contextually they're they're the out of universe thing, which is the the presenting the cutscenes of portable ops as Ocelot recounting them. They are similar vehicles, but I think they're two totally different contexts. Okay, which is um. This okay. Let's let's agree. This is kind of a rabbit hole, and let's go a different way. Um, okay. So an earlier point you made is that when it comes to contradictions, you'll go with the more recent or the more uh, yeah the 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 most recent information, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if there's a direct con, if because I think there's tears to things. If there's a direct contradiction in the games themselves, then I would go with a a recent thing. Yeah. So, like, if if MG, MGS five retconning um, MGS one, I would have to favor the MGS like with the uh, Mantis thing. I would have to um, I would have to favor the retcon. But not, sense. but not so much Kojima literally saying something. Um, 
Kojima, well, there's one thing between like the intent of something and then the application of that thing. Because for, again, from my perspective, mm. Kojima gave a non-answer in that interview. Um, and I uh, think he does not like the term canon is what I think he doesn't like. Didn't you say he's like never said it? Like <laughs> he has never said the yeah. word canon. He well, he, do that. He, he went as far when asked him the question, he deflected and said, I'm not going to say officially or not. I'm just going to say to me, there's a difference to me. There are games that I made and then there aren't. There are games that I right. acted on producer on. So, which is why I say it's a non-answer if it's because to my, my purpose to tie it back into my, what it, you know, the utility of whatever is this is to say, are the feats and scaling presented in portable ops valid to use in a video? And to that end, I have to go with what we have. I have to use what we have, which are these different official sources. And then Kojima, what he said, again, is a non-answer. And in fact, completely shifts away from, is it officially the case or not? Which is what I have to determine. That's to me, yeah. that is my purpose. I have to purpose what is officially the case, whether Kojima thinks it or not. I don't think it's a non-answer, but I am curious um, of what an example is uh, that you have of, of of portable ops shifting a debate in terms of a, of a who would win scenario. Do you have a Do you have an example of that? Uh, well, the boss is a very it's a very good example um, because Gene is like the successor, so he was and there's guides and things that just say he was uh, at in terms of his fighting oh, skill okay, okay. and so on. So and then he's got he's got crazy abilities. He can just see the future. He can teleport. Um, there's the stuff with Null. Null can read muscle movements, and Big Boss is still able to fight him, similar to how uh, Raiden is able to fight Vamp and MGS two. I got you now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, when it comes to like the the you know the quality of the narrative, that's a whole other. That's that's not right. even really relevant. Um, um. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I mean, yeah, you can power scale something that's bad, and it'd still be like right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So it doesn't. So. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you love or hate it. It's like Galen Merrick, right? That game sucked, but he's like crazy powerful. If you yeah, people what he's capable of people like him a lot. Yeah, yeah I like mean, weirdly, weirdly, my whole issue with Portable Ops was the was how it sort of uh, neutered what happened in MGS three by saying that Volgan was um, was acting on orders, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just some random incident that nobody could have foreseen yeah. taking things in a completely different direction, like. I felt like that that sort of robbed them of some agency. Mm-hmm. But that's just that's not really relevant to that. <laughs> it seems like not liking like what Disney's doing with the Star Wars canon. You know, it's like it's like you had all the legends and stuff. And like now you're mm-hmm. coming back and like rewriting over it. And it's like, oh, damn it. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I can uh, I because I love legends. I'm, legends is probably the other thing that I've gone the deepest into. And I could kick and moan all day about, you know, whatever they've done recently. But that's the official you know, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. thing. It's like, well, like officially right now, the canon is the Disney yeah. stuff, you know, like, like it or not. So justice for Dash Rendar. <laughs> Salute. <laughs> Salute. Yeah. Um, Kyle Katar and Dash Rendar. Gah. Mara but Jade. Mara Jade. Oh, Mara Jade. We need a Revan show. That's what we need. They're probably going to stuff them all into this Acolyte show. And it's going to oh, be, it's going to no. be like Thrawn where it's like, Okay, kinda Thrawn, like sure. They should have just made the Thrawn trilogy, for God's sake. Yeah, but they won't recast anybody. They have to use this CG sh- like this disturbing nonsense it's, it's, to Yeah, it doesn't look good. It'll never it, it none of what they have done has looked good, and anybody who says otherwise is fooling themselves. I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. 
it's uncanny as hell for yep. sure. Um, but does that, I mean, does it at least, because I know that this is a obviously a contentious thing. And I've, like I said, I've listened to a lot of the episodes. I know your position, Nitro, but does that at least make sense? My, my I, position, my logic? Yes. Yeah. I, I absolutely get where you're coming from. Um, okay. the, the only thing I would add just to sort of, uh, put a bow on, on my position is that, um, when he gave his answer, non-answer, mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it sort of raises this whole question that I that I think at some point either we or someone else is going to is going to dive into a little deeper which is this notion of of uh you know is it fair to equate the notion of a Hideo Kojima game with what we commonly call canon mm-hmm. you know or 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 are these different concepts that we are conflating and that is an interesting discussion that I don't think anybody's had yet he thinks they're different. That's literally what he says. He says, instead of talking about if it's officially main story, I have a distinction in me that's a Kodeo Kojima game, and then there's the stuff that I produced. Is how I read the statement. It's him. He, it's, he has and a, that he, sort of runs itself in a circle, though, you know? That's why I'm like, just get, I ignore it. Just get rid of it. Like, it's, it, that statement <laughs> is nothing. Like, he said nothing. He didn't, you know? And, uh, but, but then it's like, you look at, what the Yano novels are and what he said. And they're after the interview where they're referencing events from portable ops. And, um, and also I, I think guess, too, but... it's, it's like, if you look at the previous, if you look at the games, right, let's take the same approach with like the eight bit games. Cause um, if you were to say, if let's say that there was any, the same, if Kojima was asked the same thing and he said the same, obviously a little bit different. If he, if he left the door open to it, not being a thing, well, let's apply what people do with portable ops to the rest to the eight bit games. They go, mm, yeah, I guess they appeared on the timeline. I guess he references Madnar. I guess, like, because what what else can you do? You know, a whole lore dump in MGS Five of like, yeah, and there was this guy named Gene, and uh, and um, and then Cause is all exasperated the whole time. It's like Big Boss, I suppose, you know? but there. It, it- I know I'm probably forgetting something because there's so much damn information in in V. Uh But to my recollection, Mm -hmm. is there I don't believe there's a single reference to portable ops in V, is there? Uh, People interpret because they say Ocelot had to get the remaining part of the legacy. um, Which I don't don't think was uh, in anything else. So. I thought you were going to bring up the fact that Venom Snake says that there aren't, he's like mocking the idea of ESP, which I have a counter argument for anyway, but, uh, I mean, you can counter argument anything Venom says. That's yeah, exactly. Cause he's saying it. Exactly. Well, yeah, they say like, he doesn't know what's a memory and what's a hallucination. Then also naked snake was told the sorrow had ESP and, uh, and, and if big, if big boss is prone to like shirking that stuff off, then, Right. That doesn't oh, mean it didn't happen. I think I know what it is. Maybe that's the unfinished content where all the pe- the portable ops references. That's why it's unfinished. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> all right. That's the next video essay that we're all going to have to uh, <laughs> yeah. pan ourselves through. Is portable ops unfinished? Dot dot dot. I think Kojima's answer is unfinished. That's my. Uh, that's yeah, my he needs his feet held to the coals a bit. Well, now, I mean, would it really matter? Like, like honestly, like, officially, no. it wouldn't matter. Which is why I think that 
the UK timeline is probably the the closest we're ever going to get. You said something earlier that that kind of made me think of something, which you know, it's Konami is obviously going to do whatever the hell they want with this series, whether that's a reboot or a remake or Metal Gear Solid Six or nothing at all. You know, yeah. who knows? But but clearly they're gonna they're gonna go their own route without Kojima. Um, but it's funny. Metal Gear's in this weird place. Uh, and it, it, it sort of always has been where it's so closely tied to Kojima, his mm. identity, his vision that that even without him at the helm, it's still kind of his in a yeah. weird way. You yeah. know, like he like the car. I, I've made this analogy before, but like the car is parked in Konami's garage. Yeah. But Kojima left with the keys and the pink slip. Yeah, I've thought about that because, again, you Star Wars is an analogy. Nobody's asking George Lucas anything because he doesn't, it's not his to own. Yeah. That's not, yeah. and, and, and even like um, Halo is another, another example because I have a brief, you know, I like Halo well enough, but I know they had like, they had an original crew, you know, they had, you know, people who would consider the Kojimas or whatever. I think it was a group of them, but they're like, those are the guys, the Halo guys. But the Halo guy, he left. And then Bungie made, uh, or 343 made a few entries that you can't say are non-canon because the guy left. But then he comes back, and it's a sequel to the 343 games. So now you really can't say those are non-canon, even if you were in that guy's camp um, of being like... But the point is, is, I don't see... And this is why, again, I talked about how when people do this, when they dedicate so much to one franchise, they get it gets really insular, where... Yeah. If you look at how, because again, because I looked into it, I looked into the origins of canon, what decides canon, and it's really frustrating because um, <laughs> as it is religiously, it's so hard. There's like this, was it divinely inspired or not? And who knows what that means? So that was a waste of I mean, research. Kojima is God, so. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, you know, you have that, uh, you have that, and then it's, it's um, it, but I think. It is it, funnily enough. I think it's completely up to the fans because if if because you look at George Lucas, you know maybe it was because some people maligned him, some people didn't like the prequels or what he did or didn't care, um, and they're willing to accept the new regime more so. But then maybe it's also because there's so much more content that if you want to engage with Star Wars now, you have to concede to that. Whereas with Metal Gear, you know they survive was stated outright apocryphal by that director. Um, and then that's that's all we've gotten, you know. Survive definitely like just retcons itself, so that's that's all good. And you know, that's true. At least that does explain the uh, the portals that show up in the Phantom Pain. I do like that part of how that kind of at least ties that in. But uh, yeah, all the watering soldier shit. Mm-hmm. I guess who would win then? Like uh, <laughs> a, a graphic made by Konami saying that portable ops exists, or like a sentence said by Kojima. Um. If it's an old sentence that was unearthed after his interview, it would be pretty good. But right. as it stands now, uh, you put Konami. you put Kojima in a room with mm-hmm. you know CEO of Konami John Konami, right? Like they're <laughs> sitting beside each other. <laughs> I'm John Konami, and Kojima says it's not canon, and Konami says it is canon. Who wins? Konami owns the thing. Konami owns it. I, what an interesting do thing they I, though? Oh my goodness. Dude, well, you're going to get a lot of response comments. I'm just letting you know this. Right no, I now. know. I know. And and it's not something people want to hear. 
But yeah, if people uh, want to find your stuff online and, and check out your videos where you really go into this stuff, uh, you've got your YouTube and you're on Twitter, right? Uh, well, YouTube, uh, Crisis Comics with an X, uh, and uh, Crisis Edits, at Crisis underscore Edits at Twitter. Sweet, man. It's been a lot of fun uh, just talking about who would win in a fight and uh, if all this stuff you know, is canon and figuring out... Uh, mm how powerful all these characters are. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I like watching these type of videos. I need another hour. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pro, by the way, just for the record, I think I'm pro Dr. Madnar, but I wanted to get your take on, on the video I sent you, <laughs> Crisis. Pretty good, man, but, you know, Madnar's, uh, he's the father of modern robotics. What are you going to say to that? <laughs> I um, mean, Metal Gear versus Jack, but like a shit ton of Jack 2s. <laughs> yeah. That's my next video, as you guess. <laughs> One Madnar-sized duck or a thousand duck-sized Madnars. That's that I've been building my whole career up to making those types of videos. That's my long game. It's just making those AI simulations getting good enough. But um, thanks for having me. I, I, I really appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks again for coming on. <laughs>